Turn with me tonight in the Bible to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And I'm going to do something unusual tonight, and you're going to wonder what that is. And I'm going to invite our brother Mark Strong to come up here and read this. And you're going to say, well, why is that? And the answer is, I, I have misplaced my glasses and I can't find them. I thought they were in the car, and they're in the car park, they're in the church here. And um, therefore, if I attempt to read this, I'm not going to be able to see it. Uh, so I'm going to ask Brother Mark. Um, Rosie's been looking for the glasses. Uh, so I'm going to ask Brother Mark to come up. First um, Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read from the verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the, of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. We thank you, Brother Mark, for your assistance, and we appreciate that uh, very much. Now, my text tonight is taken from First Peter chapter 1. In verse 19 it says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And my subject this evening is to consider the precious blood of Christ. I've told you in the past that there are 72 references in the Bible to the word precious. And we've been thinking before the month of October of the precious things of God. And we've already had a sermon on the precious thoughts of God out of Psalm 139, verses 23-24. We've also thought about the precious word of God from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And we've also thought about the preciousness of faith. And now we're thinking of the precious blood of Christ. And it's amazing that out of the 72 references in the Bible that use the word precious, that there's one reference that talks about the precious 
blood of Christ. And here it is, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. The word precious means something that's valuable, something that's costly, something that has much worth associated with it, something that's highly esteemed and highly prized. And of course, the opposite of these meanings is something that's treated lightly or something that's treated with disdain. And of course, isn't there lots of talk today about the person and work of the Lord Jesus? Isn't the Lord Jesus' name mentioned? And of course, it's great that he is mentioned. But but I often think when I hear his name mentioned uh, by preachers and in pulpits, is it the Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible that is being referred to? Is it literally the historical Christ? Because, listen to me, there can be no study of the personal work of Christ that's worthy of consideration without it having a reference to the precious blood of Christ. You see, the precious blood of Christ is at the very heart of the gospel. In fact, I would go further where the preaching of the blood of Christ is missing There's no real gospel message at all. And if there's no true gospel message being presented from the pulpit, then we have to go further and say that there's no true church. Now, of course, you see in the church today, there's a lot of sermons preached. And I mention a few subjects, how to be happy when things go wrong, or five steps to success or how to know peace and prosperity. Now, I have no problem with any of these subjects. They are okay as far as they go. And I also could preach on these uh, topical subjects. But if those subjects every week are absence of the message of true repentance, if there's no reference to the doctrine of human sinfulness, or, or no bringing in the necessity of God's salvation, if there's nothing at the heart of these messages of the preaching of the precious blood, the blood of Christ, remember, is a central theme of the whole Bible. And if it is missing, then there's no true gospel message. We were taught years ago in the Bible college by the late Dr. Paisley, our founding father, that there's a scarlet thread, a, a bloodline that runs almost from Genesis to Revelation. And I used to hear him saying in the college that the Bible begins with blood and the Bible ends with blood. And therefore, young men were exhorted to make much of the blood. And here it is in the Bible, in this wee series of the precious things of God. We're only going to deal with 10 or 12 of them. And we'll probably run this through until the last uh, Lord's Day in um, December, maybe into January, as we think about the precious things of God. Here's one of those, the precious blood of Christ. Now, notice three things, four things. The principle of the blood in the Bible. You see, if you think of the thought, the Bible begins with blood. And we'll go right to the book of beginning, the book of Genesis, to what we call the law of first mention. And in the very law of first mention, you have got the Lord himself, God, shedding human blood. If you turn over there to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21... Even though the reference to the shedding of blood is not specifically mentioned, it's implied, it's inferred. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, 
and he slept. And he, that's the Lord God, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now I want you to think of this picture. The Bible tells us here that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he had to open up his side. And he took out one of his ribs. And he closed up the flesh thereof. And from that rib he made a woman. And he brought the woman to Adam. And the woman became bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And it was Matthew Henry said that he didn't take the woman out of the head. Because the woman's not to rule the man. And he didn't take a bone out of the man's foot. Because the woman's not to be trampled on. She's not to be a doormat. But he took it out of his side. Near the heart, the place of protection, the place of honour and love and, and cherishment. But in order for that rib to be taken out and that wound to be closed up, there had to be the shedding of blood. There had to be the spilling of blood. And that's, of course, a wonderful type of relationship that the Lord Jesus has with his church. I want you to think of Jesus Christ and the cross. And wasn't his side opened up? Remember the centurion with the spear plunged into his side. And out came water and blood. See when the Lord Jesus was on the cross. Remember he was offering himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And on the cross the Lord Jesus was paying atonement for his people. For, 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 for his bride the church. And, and the church became his wife. She's, she's described in the Bible as the lamb's wife. And the very first incident we have of the opening up of a side and the shedding of blood and, and a marriage taking place is here in Genesis chapter 2 verse 21. God opened Adam's side. I want you to notice also in Genesis chapter 3, this time in 21, again there's a, an inference made. And unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make clothes of skin, and clothed them. You see, here's another thing that the Lord God did. He clothed our first parents. He made them coats of skin from the animals. In other words, the animal had to die. Its blood was shed. And then the Lord God from the death of the animal made coats of skin. Of course, Adam was to look after the animals. He was to have a regard for the life of animals and the beasts of burden. He was not to worship them. He was not to bless them. He was not in a par with them as far as human beauty is concerned. Animals don't have souls. They, they can't know God in an intimate way. They do not have consciousness. They do not have knowledge of God. And that's why, of course, when Canon Niblock had a service for pets at St. Anne's Cathedral, we, we denounced that really as being foolish. 
And I have to say also to the animals rights activists, it's not wrong to kill an animal because the first one to kill an animal was the Lord God himself. And from the killing of that animal provided coats of skins to cover the nakedness of our first parents. And they weren't skinned alive. That would be cruel. That, that would be unkind. The inference is that they were put to death first. And the... The, 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 the death of the animal and the shedding of its blood from that, a coat of skin was made. If you think of it, it's a lamb. And from the lamb's wool, our first parents were clothed. And it's not a type again of the Lord Jesus, if you think of him as the lamb of God, shedding his blood. And on the ground of the shedding of his blood, you and I are clothed in his perfect righteousness if you think of christ again on the cross he was the perfect sacrifice the perfect substitute the the perfect sin bearer the perfect sin offering i read in romans chapter 3 and in the verse 24 a very telling statement and something that we've made reference to in days that are past listen to the word of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The word propitiation means a covering. To declare his righteousness for remission of sins in her past. Through the forbearance of God. Doesn't Leviticus 17 and 11 say. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. The Bible begins with a message about blood, the Lamb's blood. Now, let me tell you something else. The Bible ends with a message about blood, and not just any blood, but, but again, the blood of the Lamb. And there's over 20 references to the lamb in the Bible associated with the lamb's blood and the lamb's wife and the lamb's book of life. Now, if you want that reference, turn over to Revelation at chapter 7 and look with me at the verse 14. And if we think of the subject of heaven and how to get there. It says, and I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Here's the period of great tribulation. And um, how are these souls to get saved in the great tribulation? How do they have assurance of a home in heaven? Here's the answer. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, the Bible is full of the message of the precious blood. It was Spurgeon that said it's bibline. If you prick it, it, it runs red with blood. It was the Professor Alexander in Princeton University. He used to invite the class of his students, bring them in individually into his private study and give them a word of counsel. And it was him that coined the phrase, young man, always make much of the blood. And you know, that applies to every preacher. It's not with what's wrong with a lot of preaching today. It's forgotten about. Preachers are failing to mention the blood. There's a lot of 
bloodless preaching. And yet the Bible tells us there's no salvation apart from the blood. Hebrews 9 and 22, for without the shedding of blood is no remission. And there's a lot of bloodless Christianity about today. Uh, Many new evangelicals emphasis on the jelly and the doctrine of the blood is missing from their preaching. Even when it comes to worship, isn't there a lot of bloodless worship? Because it's missing there too. The blood of the Lamb is never mentioned. A lot of bloodless praying. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Let us, uh, therefore, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And, and you know, that's the key. It, the, the way of approach is a fresh newly slain, blood-sprinkled way. And we come to God with the blood uppermost in our mind. And it's only in the ground of the blood that we have access to God. Remember, he's a holy God. And what right has the sinner got to call upon God and expect an answer? And here's the answer, the ground of the blood. Isn't there a lot of bloodless singing today? We thank God for the old hymns. Hymns that are full of the blood. We've been singing one or two there tonight. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus thy blood and righteousness. You see the old hymnologist. The, 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 the message that, that they had was a message about the ground of salvation. Which is the precious blood. And they enjoyed that message. They loved that message. And that's one of the reasons, of course, which why we don't have exclusive psalmody in the church. There's many other reasons. And the theme of the psalms, of course, are wonderful. The theme of sacrifice and suffering there. But there's no specific mention of the blood. And we believe, of course, that the emphasis must be on the blood. And it's a precious New Testament, Old Testament truth. The principle of the blood in the Bible. Now notice something else, if you go back to our text, the purity of the blood in the Bible. It says in verse 18, For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ tonight is pure, sinless, incorruptible blood. It's not a corruptible thing. The blood that flowed in the veins of the God-man was not sinless blood. It's sin that brings death into the world. Romans 6 and 23, for, for the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. James 1 and 15 says, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. You see, the mark of death is corruption. But when the Lord Jesus died and was buried, um, uh, and uh, his his body was put into the tomb, um, unlike other bodies, his body didn't begin to corrupt. I I want you to think tonight of the dignity of the Savior. The Lord Jesus, remember, did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. Psalm 16 and verse 10 to 11 says that he knew no corruption. And the, the, the virtue of the blood is tied up to the value of his own person. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He's, he's God in the flesh. He's the eternal son of the everlasting father. He, he, he possesses a full orb deity. 
He's called Emmanuel. God with us. God of God. Is God in the flesh. He's got a perfect deity, a perfect manhood, a true humanity. He shed his blood. He, 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 he shed his blood on the cross. We, we could talk tonight about the blood of the God man. As Acts 20 and 28 mentions. We could argue tonight, someone could say, but God doesn't have blood. But the God man has. The Lord Jesus took our humanity into union with his deity. And as a result, he shed his precious blood. The blood that was shed is the blood of the one who was God in the flesh. One who was sinless. One who was spotless. One who was not able to sin and able not to sin. Remember he said, I do always those things that please the Father. There's a reference here, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the lamb could have no blemish. It had to be without spot. It couldn't be a torn lamb, a cut <coughs> lamb. It couldn't have a sore leg or a sore ear. It couldn't have an internal disease. It was to be without blemish and without spot. And if it did, it couldn't be offered as a sacrifice unto God. And wasn't that the problem in Malachi's day? It was offered to the Lord as a, a sick animal and the Lord rejected it. it. It was useless and unacceptable to him. We think of Judas tonight. Remember he said when he betrayed the Lord Jesus, I have betrayed innocent blood. The blood of Christ is incorruptible. It's sinless. Of course, that's why we were so upset about the mockery of the advert for Greg's. I said this morning to replace um, the Christ child with a sausage roll with a bite out of it was pure mockery. It was sacrilegious. Because the Christ child is none other than God in the flesh. It's God in the flesh because in his veins flowed sinless blood, incorruptible. It was the blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want you to think thirdly tonight of the the price of the blood. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is invaluable as far as its price is concerned. It's of enormous value. It's of great value. And he says here, for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things. And he mentions silver and gold from your vain conversation. The word um, vain means empty. Uh, conversation means your, your former lifestyle uh, and they, they were told where they got that empty former lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers well if we're not redeemed with this what are we redeemed with and then he answers it but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot and over there in the book of Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse 19 the apostle says what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you're not your own for you're bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits which are God and how many tonight even as Christians forget as they live out the Christian life that they're bought with the price. And what was that price? Something that's of enormous and great value. The precious 
blood of Christ. You see, if you don't regard the enormous value of the precious blood, you can trample it under your feet. You, you can do despite to it. And of course, doesn't Hebrews talk about those that trample underfoot the blood of Christ? In the Old Testament, the offering was always made unto God. Abel was to bring the first of the flock. And the first of the flock was brought to the altar. It was slain there. Its blood was shed in Genesis 4 and 4. And God was pleased and accepted Abel's sacrifice. Why? Because it was offered to satisfy God. There's a Godward aspect of every offering. And if you think of Exodus chapter 12, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. In other words, when he visited Egypt that night, he looked for the blood that was sprinkled on the lintel and on the doorposts. And, and God's view of the blood is that it's of enormous value. It's of inestimable worth. You see, the blood tonight is very precious to God. And of course, the blood ought to be very precious to all of God's true people. I, I think of Revelation chapter 5 and... Um, we read there about the singing in heaven and of course it's a tremendous theme when we think about the singing in heaven and that's something to think about. Think of verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And if we think of verse 9. And they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain. Listen to this. And hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They're in heaven. And they're singing praises to God. And they're singing a new song. And they're saying thou art worthy. And thou hast done this for us. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You think of the things in heaven. The streets of gold. You think of the gates of peril. You, you, you think of the, the tree of life. And the river of life that's there. The saints of God that's there. The, 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 the um, mansions that are there. And all the precious things of heaven that you could have thought about. That's not what they're singing about. What are they singing about? They're singing about the precious blood of the Lamb. You see, it's priceless to them. The sufferings of Christ, dear people, are infinite. They're beyond our understanding. And I, I, I think that we don't grasp enough with our minds what it cost the Saviour. To bleed and die in our guilty room instead and shed his precious blood. We, we should be praying tonight, Lord, help me to understand it. Help me to take it in, what it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away our sin. Uh, isn't Lamentation 1 and 12, there's no sorrow like unto my sorrow. And you think of the, 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 the sorrow and the sufferings of Christ, the, the depth of a suffering. 
and the delight of saints here in glory. Again, we read in Revelation chapter 14 and in the verse 7, something else about the singing in heaven. It says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Again, we read in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, something else that's added to that. And that was made us, uh, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and the Father, then be glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, that's the theme of praise. The theme of praise of saints on earth and the theme of the, the, the saints in heaven. Is it any wonder we want to sing about the blood on earth? Is it any wonder, wonder we want to praise God with, 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 with hymns that are, are, are jam-packed with, with mentioning of the blood? The blood in our hymnology, the blood in our preaching, the, the blood in our praying, the, the blood that's uppermost in our mind. I want you to think lastly tonight, not only of the price of the blood, but I want you to think of the power of the blood. If you turn over there to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment, and in verse 7, this is a text that I've suggested should be uh, put above the pulpit of the new church, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grief. See, in the power of the blood, we can have sins forgiven. Psalmist cried in Psalm 51, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Think about the hyssop. That was the plant that was used to dip into the blood and put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel in the houses in Egypt. And the psalmist is thinking about that because in the application of the blood, there, there's protection, there, there's forgiveness. That's what he's thinking about as he cries out to God to have mercy upon him. The Bible also talks about having peace through the blood of his cross, peace with God, therefore being justified by faith. If we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 9 talks about being justified by his blood or, or justified with his blood. And of course, that's, that's tremendous. We're reconciled to God in the ground of the Savior's blood. Do you know tonight the blood's in heaven? The Bible tells us if you turn to Hebrews chapter um, 9 again and verse 12, something amazing about the blood. We're told there in Hebrews 9 and verse 12, these words. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And in Hebrews chapter 12, that great crowd of witnesses were told in verse 24, this is what they come to, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of heaven. Seven things in heaven. 
And the sixth thing that's mentioned is to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And the seventh thing that's mentioned is to the blood of sprinkling. You see, there's power in the precious blood today because the blood and the shedding of the blood has satisfied God the Father. And God the Father raised Christ from the dead. He was raised again for our justification or in light of or in account of our justification. And on the ground of the blood, God justifies the sinner, legally declares him righteous. And of course, the blood's a terror to the devil because the Bible tells us and they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12 and 11. Let me tell you a little story as we finish. Martin Luther lay in bed one night. He was troubled with dreams. And in his dream, he dreamt the devil came to him with a whole pile of scrolls. And he presented them one by one to Luther. And he said to him, these are all your sins, Luther. Every thought, every word, every deed, it's all recorded. And how are you going to stand before God with all these sins against you? And Luther looked at them. And he could see it in his dream. And then he got up out of bed in his dream and took the... Um, quill from the ink pot and he took the scroll from the hand of the devil and he wrote in every scroll these words the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth from all sin and you see that's the power of the blood it not only satisfies God the Father but in this ground the sinner is justified his sins are forgiven he is peace with God and he's assured of being reconciled to God and assured that even in heaven that when he gets there there'll be the witness of the blood of sprinkling the precious blood of Christ learn tonight the principles there in the Bible there's a scarlet thread from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible begins with blood. It ends with blood. I want you to think tonight about the purity. The sinless blood that was in the veins of the Lord Jesus. Because he was the God man. And it was because he was the God man. Who knew no sin and did no sin. And in him was no sin. That he could offer himself a once and for all sacrifice to God. He was the lamb without blemish and without spot. In fact he said. Which of you convinceth me of sin? See, the Lord Jesus never sinned. And I know some silly people teach that he did sin. But if he had sinned in thought, in word and deed, he could never have been a, a perfect sacrifice to offer himself to God. Think about the price. The price that was paid. The, the invaluable price of the precious blood. Oh, let, 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 let the depth of that price affect us let, let the delight of the saints on earth and in heaven could consume our minds and let's rejoice in the doctrine of the blood and think of its power we're going to close tonight with thinking of the hymn have you been to jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the lamb let that that question strike into your heart and in your mind and if you're here tonight and don't know christ and don't know him as Lord and Saviour, and know nothing of the power or the application of the blood, then we would encourage you to seek the Lord, call upon him, cry out, Lord, apply the blood to me. You think tonight of houses in Egypt that didn't have the blood, and what happened? The death angel went in, and the firstborn was slain. But for those houses that had the mark of the blood, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Is the blood mark upon you? 